Sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A little over a week ago marked the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II in Europe. And because of the the viral pandemic, that milestone didn't really receive the attention that it normally would have. There wasn't the, the normal gatherings at historic sites or cemeteries, nor the usual retrospective documentaries that would have ordinarily been a part of such a notable historical date. I hadn't even realized this anniversary was coming up when I rewatched the miniseries Band of Brothers a few weeks ago. More than a, a miniseries, it's almost like 10 very graphic short films, which are considered to be some of the most accurate portrayals of World War II ever filmed. The authenticity is heightened with, because there's interviews from the actual veterans that are being dramatically portrayed interspersed throughout each of the episodes. And it's hard to characterize one chapter as as having the most impact over the others. Each is is so powerful in their own ways. But episode nine, entitled, Why We Fight, was truly unforgettable. By this point, the war was winding down. The, The men of Easy Company, who they've been following throughout the series have a little bit more time to reflect on on all that's happened, all that they've experienced, all that they witnessed, all that they've sacrificed, all that they had lost, and understandably are asking themselves, what was the point? Why? And they arrive at a concentration camp and see firsthand the horrors for themselves, 
the diabolical conditions that these prisoners have been subjected to. One of the paratroopers is able to translate for the others an account from one of the prisoners who tells them that they were all Jews who had been labeled undesirable by the Germans. And you see prisoners near death next to corpses, people sickingly malnourished and starving. And the men in their, their shock and their horror raced to get food and supplies only to be stopped by one of the medics who tells them you can't just do that. You can't just give them food and water and even free them right now. We have to be careful and cautious and slowly help these poor souls if there's any chance for them to, to physically recover. So at that moment, they have to keep the prisoners inside these barbed wire fences until they can make sure that they are planned and ready to give them what they need. It's heart-wrenching on, on every level because especially for the men of Easy Company, they have their answer why they fight. But it was hell getting to this moment, and in that moment, it still was. Stephen Ambrose, who's the author of the book, which was the basis for the series, Band of Brothers, wrote of the incredible contradictions that these men experienced. He wrote, they found combat to be ugliness, destruction, and death, and hated it. Anything was better than the blood and carnage, the grime and filth, the impossible demands made on the body. Anything that is except letting down their buddies. They also found in combat the closest brotherhood they ever knew. They found selflessness. They found they could love the other guy in their foxhole more than themselves. They found that in war, men who loved life would give their lives for them. We can't fully appreciate or understand what it was they, they felt and saw, but we get a, a sense of that tension, that contradiction that these men experience. We've heard, but we can't even begin to imagine the cost to them individually, which 75 years later leaves us in the awe of, of those sacrifices in which a hideous evil that terrorized the world was defeated. This gospel we just heard also speaks of, of a similar contradiction and tension. It comes from Jesus' Last Supper discourse in the Gospel of John. Hearing this as we're nearing the end of the Easter season, this period of 50 days celebrating Jesus' resurrection from the dead and preparing to celebrate the, the coming of the Holy Spirit descending upon the church at Pentecost, it's easy to get lost in the, the beauty of those poetic verses. Yet very intentionally, the passage brings us back to Holy Thursday. We're back in that upper room where Jesus knows the victory that's coming, but that it's coming at an incredible cost. Jesus' brutal, ugly death on the cross to save humanity. This passage has Jesus talking about how he's going to send the spirit of truth upon those who follow him. We recognize that in the passion of the Christ, this is the very truth that Pilate rejected. It's the same truth that the world continues to fight against and still rejects. It's the spirit of truth which calls humanity to all that's just, all that's right. And we know that it's always going to be in tension with the spirit of the world, which is seen in rationalizations and denials and self-interest and confusion. 
we see that contradiction of, of living in this world, but not of this world. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, promising this advocate for us, is offering us a very challenging gift. It's going to result in our engaging in spiritual warfare, the most important battle of eternal consequences. The spirit of truth he will pour out on us calls us to confront things that we might not want to, whether it's on a, a very personal level where I need to repent of my sins, I need to change my life, I need to reevaluate my priorities, or on a more public level where I'm put in the vulnerable spot of being a prophetic voice in the world in addressing grievances or wrongs that need to be addressed. Maybe even within Jesus' very church in calling out where we seem to resemble the things of this world or where abuses have undermined all the good news that the gospel is meant to convey. May we be inspired by, by the countless examples of men and women who've gone before us, whether they be those who are celebrated and honored and known or those whose names and faces are known to God alone. People who listened to that spirit of truth, the advocate, and allowed that to direct their lives and reshape the world. That spirit continues to call out to us to move away from the skepticism and the self-centeredness of this world into making real the new vision of restoration and reconciliation and fulfillment that the risen Christ envisions for all creation.